Welcome to Shelving Cart. I'm Sarah. And I'm Teddy. And we're both librarians here to have a podcast book club with each other and all of you. On Shelving Cart, we talk about books like it's a one-hour book club meeting. So we talk about likes, dislikes, reviews, general feelings, and more. And generally completely spoil the book, so be warned. Today, we will be discussing A Darker Shade of Magic by V.E. Schwab, a.k.a. Victoria Schwab, which is book number one of the Shades of Magic series. We will also be dabbling just ever so slightly in books two and three, but that will be at the end. So there we go. Incredible. Um, Well, just to get us started, Teddy, have you ever read anything else by V.E. slash Victoria Schwab? No. (laughs) (laughs) easy answer absolutely not i've been pressured to Mm. but i have resisted until this moment (laughs) until until i made you do it (laughs) yeah and sarah thoughts yeah uh yes so i have i've read um i've read the first like book she ever got published i can't think of the name right now oh the near witch which is Mm. a nice little folktale story that one's good did i make you read that Maybe you did. What's it, think, what's it about? Just it's really like quick. There's those keywords. children are like disappearing from their homes. Haha. Ha. Oh shit. I have read Victoria Schwab. <laughs> that was the first thing she wrote that while she was in college. That's wild. That was actually yeah. quite good. Yeah. I like that one. It was like a nice little folktale. I think that mm-hmm. was my first V.E. Schwab. So I've read that. And then um, I have read Darker Shade of Magic. And then I've read the whole series before. And I read, um, she has a a uh, young adult series where it's a girl who's going to different cities with her ghost hunting parents who like have like kind of like a ghost hunting tv show but she, they, she can actually see ghosts and she goes and like helps ghosts like why solve didn't we read that one i want to read that was it good it, yeah i've read the first two of that one let me just find the name really quickly or else it'll just bother me oh it's called it's the city of ghosts series but i've read the first two i never read the third one um those okay. ones are really those ones are cute those are really cute YA books not cute in like in a demeaning way but in like a they're sweet stories kind of way um, so okay i will say this about victoria slash be i feel like she's out in the zeitgeist you know what i mean like i definitely knew who she was before you were like you need to read near witch um but she's kind of famously a straddler of adult and young adult fiction. Yeah. Would you say that's yeah. accurate? Yes. Yes. I think that's true. Which actually kind of brings me into my kind of background info specifically on Victoria slash V.E. Schwab. Because there is kind of an interesting divide that she builds into her adult versus YA books. Um, but I'll just launch into her general background. Give me. So, Victoria, a.k.a. V.E. Schwab. I'm going to stick with V.E. Schwab for today, I think, just so we don't have to keep switching back and forth. (laughs) Um, Was born in California, but she grew up in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, She went to an all-girls prep school and ended up attending uh, Washington University at St. Louis, graduating in 2009 from college. Um, Her first novel was published in 2011 by Disney called The Near Witch. Um, her popularity grew the most, however, when she published Vicious, which I also have read that too, but I read that like the year it came out, Mm -hmm. um, the villain series that was, came out when I was still in high school. 
so I don't really remember it because I read it right then. Um, she has published under both Victoria and V.E. Schwab, but largely she publishes her adult books under V.E. Schwab and YA books under Victoria. Um, mm. The reason, to my, best my guess, would probably be sexism. Um, <laughs> she <laughs> has, so it's easier to get adult books published as adults when you are a not woman um or i would say when you're a man specifically (laughs) (laughs) to be specific with our language yeah um so yes so she probably just easily is like ve for adult victoria for ya because we don't have to pretend that i'm a man for these ones or to be Mm non-feminine um she has written 20 plus books um, oh, and she's writ- written on a TV show and more. And then in an interview with the YouTube channel, A Clockwork Reader, she noted that she writes for herself. That meaning that when she writes middle grade books, she writes for nine year old her. Um, when she writes YA books, she writes for 17 year old her and adult books for like whatever current for her she is at that moment, which I think is really sweet. I think I actually love that. Talk about yeah. like healing your inner child. I think that's I, really beautiful. I agree. I think it's really nice way to put it. And she said in the interview that that keeps her writing actually, mm. like keeps her going. Yeah. Um. So, uh, I did some background on a darker shade of magic itself, mm-hmm. um, and how that book came to be. And she said. When the third book in the series was coming out, she did this interview, like I mentioned, with the YouTube channel Conjuring of Light. Um, She did the interview um, with Hannah Azarang, um, and we learn a lot about her inspiration through this interview. Um, She stated in, in, in the interview that she starts with location first, believing heavily as setting, as character. Mm. Um, With Darker Shades, she started with the colors gray, white, red, black, and red and black, and the location of London, um, which in this series, it takes place in multiple parallel universes of gray, white, red, black, red and black London, um, where red was specifically inspired by Eastern Europe and Persian culture. And then, so a brighter, more vibrant world into an outsider, it feels more magical. Mm. Uh, White London is Scandinavian-inspired and taken from Viking culture and the harshness of living in a cold, brutal world. Um, Grey London, of course, is historically inspired, set in the London of our world um, in the year 1819, so that one's like historical fiction. Um, and the greyness comes from the Industrial Revolution, war, etc. And then Black London was literally inspired by a black hole. <laughs> and these moods and colors were kind of her Pinterest, she said this in the interview, her Pinterest board um, when she wrote this. I just want to note that V.E. V- v- Schwab is very much a millennial and it comes <laughs> across in her interviews. Mm-hmm. Um uh, she also noted that many of her books are inspired by wanting to move away from grim, dark fantasy, like the idea of like everyone dying and blah, 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 grim, dark fantasy. Right. So yeah, that's our background, our background info. Great. That's interesting. Um, it's interesting to hear, like, I think White London is clear, like, even the language has like a lot of fucking oobloats, like, you know that it's Nordic. J's, J's and I's. Right. I think that like, it was interesting to hear that like Persian culture was one of the inspirations for red London. Um, we'll just hold that. 
with us for a little yeah. bit and come back. She said in the inter- in the interview the word exotic, which I did not really right like. I think we're getting a we're getting a splash, a wee tipple of Orientalism coming our way, which yeah. is yeah, we'll talk about it. Yeah, worry not. Yep. Um, do you yep. have a book jacket for us, Sarah? Well, I read the book digitally, so I pulled off the <laughs> back of the book from the publisher's website. Totally, absolutely. Here we go. Kel is one of the last Antari, magicians with a rare, coveted ability to travel between parallel Londons, red, gray, white, and once upon a time, black. Kel was raised in Arns, red London, and officially serves the Maresh Empire as an ambassador, traveling between the frequent bloody regime changes in white London and the court of George III in the dullest of Londons, the one without any magic left to Unofficially, Kel is a smuggler, servicing people, willing to pay for even the smallest glimpses of a world they'll never see. It's a defiant hobby with dangerous consequences, which Kel is now seeing firsthand. After an exchange goes awry, Kel escapes to Grey London and runs into Delilah Bard, a cut purse with lofty lofty aspirations. She first robs him, then (laughs) saves him from a deadly enemy, and finally forces Kel to spirit her to another world for a proper adventure. Now perilous magic is afoot, and treachery lurks at every turn. To save all of the worlds, they'll first need to stay alive. Okay, I will say, whoever wrote that blurb, well done. I actually think that... (laughs) And I'm going to say this, and I'm so sorry. I actually think the blurb is maybe more exciting than the book, um, <laughs> which I'm so sorry, V.E. I, I appreciate all you do. Um, you want to just jump right into our characters? Yes, I have thoughts on everybody. Sarah, have you ever listened to the audiobook for this? Yes. So I listened to the audiobook for all of them. That's before I read mm-hmm. this one, I only had done the audio. So this is great because I immediately ran into the problem that you get when you're reading fantasy books and everyone's name is a little weird. Some of them are normal. Yeah. Astrid, yeah. normal. Lila, sort of normal. Once you figure out it's from Delilah, like it could have been Leela, like whatever. Yeah. But um, so if I fuck anybody up, hit me up but yeah we have delilah bard who goes by lila and she is one of our protagonists delilah bard certainly was meant to be a pirate very good at thieving you meet her sort of like through her wanted poster um where she's mistaken for a man she like wears a top hat and a mask and she's just thieving around wealthy london wealthy gray london um one of her introductory lines is Lila Bard lived by a simple rule. If a thing was uh, worth having, it was worth taking. And it was at this line, dear listener, that I knew that this book was not going to be as gay as I wanted it to be. Because at this point we had met Kel and I was like, where is Kel's hot boyfriend? And then we ran into Lila to be discussed on like whether or not this would be like a strictly straight relationship. But I... I was not entranced by Lila. I really felt VE trying really hard to make me be invested in her. And it just like did not work for me. There were things that I liked. She has a gun named Caster, um, which I thought was deeply hilarious for a number of reasons. Um, She does bring a gun to a magic fight more than once. (laughs) 
in this book, um, which has been a fandom meme for like as long as Harry Potter has existed, if not longer. Um, so I thought that was kind of hot of her. Like that was great. I, I, I think another great point of Lila characterization that I really like is that she um, has the map in her room that's blank because she just wants to go anywhere, you know, like, right kind of go on any adventure i like that i think it's interesting because when i listened to the audiobook i immediately really liked lila and i wonder if that has to do with like the voice oh oh my god i bet you money it does well the thing is about it's interesting to hear you say that because one of the reasons i found that i could put a finger on that lila bothered me besides the fact that she was not who i wanted her to be which is just not a fair critique (laughs) is just that her um desires seemed so ambiguous and not formed like she just was like i want not this and i was like word none of us want this like so relatable but like i feel like other authors in the past have successfully been like i want not this and therefore i want blank and for a long time i just like didn't understand what lila wanted and like couldn't get that into it um but I can see, like, the blank map was good characterization. I just think for me it wasn't characterization that made me relate to her, you know? Mm. Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, she is kind of hilarious. Uh, she, when Kel is teaching her about the different Londons, like, he's given up. She is so fucking tenacious. And he's like, okay, this is what's happening. He tells her about the different Londons. But then it's like, it's too complicated. You won't understand it. And she's like... No, there's Dull London, Kel London, Creepy London, and Dead London. And I was like, oh, actually, that's so true. Like, go off. <laughs> Absolutely. I do I do feel like Lila comes through in her dialogue. Oh, by sure. far. That's, like, the best. Yeah. yeah. Or, like, her I, internal I, monologue can be quite good. Yeah. I, I wondered if, like, the fact that Lila dresses as a man, if that... We'll get into, mm-hmm. way more into that later, but... If that's like self insert for V versus Victoria, uh, after after watching that interview where she was like, "I write for current mm-hmm. me," right? I was like, "Hmm, hmm, interesting, you know, right? Interesting." But I digress. Um, yeah, I guess I'll I'll back you up on the shine through her dialogue thing. This isn't like strictly dialogue, but it's like that kind of internal monologue that's almost dialogue, where the quote is. Kel frowned deeply. It is amazing, thought Lila, that he doesn't have more wrinkles. Like, she's funny. Like, she's good. But she also feels powerful when she murders people and wonders if that's what magic feels like. And that kind of threw me a little bit. Um, And then one thing I do want to say. So we'll get to Kel in a minute. Basically, what you need to know right now, and hopefully you've already read the books that you know already, is that he's a very powerful dude. And one of the ways that you know that is that he's got one entirely black eye, like not like it's bruised, <laughs> like it's it's black <laughs> in there. Um, and so Lila has this sort of interesting thing where Kel almost immediately notices that she has one eye that's darker than the other. And initially I was like, mm, OK, like, I guess like maybe because she clearly has some kind of magic capacity that gets like extrapolated on throughout the book. And I was like, oh, okay, maybe because she's from gray London, like her eye wouldn't be black, but it would be darker than her other eye, like heterochromia. Like maybe that's how it looks. Yeah. But then it comes out like late in the book, like last quarter, that that's actually a glass eye and that she lost it when she's 
too young to remember how she lost it, but she was told that it was an accident, which I'm putting the pieces together here and I'm feeling that perhaps it was a black eye and that it was put out. Sarah, confirm, deny, confirm, deny. Yes, I knew it. I knew it. You're going to have to take the volume down on that in the editing process, but I just knew. Um, Okay. Well, I mean, to be fair, it was VE being like, you might have missed the subtle foreshadowing earlier. <laughs> so here is the heavy-handed one. Right. I, I will say that, like, I felt very smart because I was like, I did catch the light foreshadowing. Thank you so much. Because it's, like, one sentence when he's, like, taking in yeah. her visage. Um, so, yeah. okay. I think that covers Lila. Let's move on to Kel, who is my one black eye hot emo king. Sarah and I were kind of talking about this via text. Like, I think it is so true that like 14 year old me would have been in love with Kel. And I'm going to confess something very vulnerable on the internet (laughs) at this point in time, which is that, and listeners, you know, write in if this was you, like, you know, when you're a little kid and everyone's like, you're a lady and your options are you know, I had progressive-ish parents. Like, my options were lesbian or not lesbian, right? Didn't have other options, but I did have the lesbian option. But then I was like, great, why am I YouTubing hot emo boys kissing? Surely lesbians don't do this. Um, It turns out it's because I'm a gay man. Um, But... (laughs) But with that context, now you know that I would have been so obsessed with Kel. And as it stands, he is like a solid character who I really like. He is like quote unquote, like part of the royal family. The prince is very close to being his brother. The king and queen are sort of parental figures to him, but it is clear that he is owned by this family is like, there's literally a line that says he belongs to the royal collection because he's useful. And he can, the reason he's useful is because he can travel between Londons um, to deliver messages. And also that's like an intensely powerful thing. He is smuggling on the side, which is naughty boy of him. Um, He, (laughs) but in a hot way, way. absolutely true. But in a hot way, absolutely true. Yeah, no. So he's like doing a little side snuggling, smuggling, snuggling business. I wish he had a snuggling business, but no, just a smuggling one. Um, And so it's for his own personal gain, like most of the time. Um, The official reason he can travel between worlds is because he's what's called an Antari, which is like a magician. So he can do blood magic, basically. Not basically. He can do blood magic. So then this is the other thing, is that in order to travel between Londons, he has to, like, cut himself (laughs) and use his own blood to, like, open a passageway, which, like, is very gory in theory. But another thing about this book is that, like, the gore never really feels that high stakes, I would say. So, like, he's, like, because Antari heal very quickly so he can like literally slit his fucking wrists and then be fine so it's a little like okay like yeah yeah but he does do blood magic that's a great point and antari is an important word to remember for this entire conversation yes um antaris have the one black eye one not thank you sarah perfect okay so then it's holland 
who we should discuss next. Holland is the other Antari. There are literally two. So Kel lives in red London. Holland lives in white London, which at this moment in time, after a very recent coup, is ruled by, white London is ruled by evil twins, Astrid and Athos, who control Holland. But in the way that Kel is sort of like, oh, you're the royal pet of the family and we, you know, treat you as a son kind of with limits. Holland is literally being bodily controlled by the Danes. Um, and uh, sort of like does evil things, but like you know that he's doing them because he's being mind controlled. Um, also, I get the sense that Holland is hot. I'm not really basing that off of much, but um, I, get, I get that vibe like from a, him. He a, sounds like a hot guy. A hot Scandinavian big burly man. Viking Holland. Yeah. Absolutely. Literally, Has, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's literally a show that's just called Vikings, mm-hmm. and um, the brother of the main character is like a hot Viking, and in my head, he's Holland. Um, like, so... one of the Skarsgård brothers or something? Uh, oh my god, absolutely. Okay, right. So that's, I mean, I think that's basically Holland. It's like, yeah. that's under what there, we you're... know. That's what we yeah. know. There's, yeah. there's hints of him being like, not wanting to do what he's doing, but he's literally enslaved to Astrid and Athos Dane, so needs must. Yeah. Um okay, this one, I'm gonna put it out there that I read his name as Rye. That's correct. Ayo, nice. Okay, it's spelled R H Y for those of us who are wondering. Um and he is the Prince of Red London. So his parents like own Kel, but he considers Kel to be a brother question mark there's like a lot of random shit in there i have similarly to my gale and pita table i don't have a table this time but i have a list of damning moments of sexual fucking tension between rye and kel um so it's a little it's a little wacky woo um but rye is sort of like a rake like he fucks around he gambles he drinks um he does not have powerful magic He's, like, not very good at magic. Bless his little heart. But he is very empathetic. Uh, There's a line from Kel that says he's headstrong and thinks with every part of his body but his brain most days. But he's a good prince. He possesses something many lack empathy, which I think is a perfect sum up of Rai. He's, like, a party animal, but at the end of the day, he wants to be a good ruler for the people and get some various body parts on the side like he's also canonically bisexual yeah um which good for him um i think uh it was interesting in that interview ve said um that rye was the character she had the hardest time writing um because he like has like a facade and then he has like a lot more inside so in moments it was hard Mm. to like write him in a way that still conveyed that like who he was pretending to be wasn't necessarily who he actually was mm-hmm. inside. So that was interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, there's the interesting tidbit where like um, Kel saved Rai's life uh, mm-hmm. when they were younger and Rai had been kidnapped. And Kel says like, he probably even went with the kidnappers willingly cause he was really trusting. And right. then Kel, that was Kel, sad. <laughs> yeah. Kel saved him and Rai was like, don't kill them. Like, he didn't want them to be 
put to death for doing this because he feels so much empathy. But I'm pretty right. sure it was implied that Kel did indeed kill them. <laughs> or yes. so they could not come back to him ever again or something. Which also is, like, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> could be yeah. read multiple ways. Then we have the Danes, the king and queen but not married, their siblings of white London. Um, they are torture-obsessed. They really like other people to be in pain, both emotional and physical. Um, Astrid sort of takes the head on the emotional pain, I feel like, but she's not above some down and dirty pain in the body. And Athos is uh, horrifying, just like a true psychopath in terms of like meeting out physical punishment. Um, And, you know, you kind of get this backstory that Holland... Astrid and Athos and like a couple other people were vying for the throne after a coup and that coups are regular occurrences in white London and that um, Astrid and Athos beat Holland out um, by just being really fucking brutal Um, and then enslaving Holland. Um, They are, yeah, they're just like Viking warriors, but like to the extreme, they also, their throne room is like, paved with bone shards like that's part of it is like bone is mixed into the floor and like they're very good with the runes they're they're scary enemies i will say um and we'll get into their like motivations in the plot overview um but they're scary motherfuckers yeah they're they are like bad bad like they're just bad like the characterization is evil we meet athos and he what our intro to him is that there was a subject who didn't kneel fast enough for Astrid and Athos. So Athos like chains him up and starts torturing the shit out of him. And that is how we get introdu- introduced to their characters. We're like, okay, that's bad, bad. <laughs> that's Whereas like, it, it seems to be when we met Holland, it's like, not, not so bad. bad. Like maybe a little shady, but yeah. certainly not you didn't kneel fast enough, so I'm going to take you to a dungeon and torture you. Yeah, And exactly. enjoy your pain. Um, exactly. Right. We have Rise Guards, and I'm just going to say it. These were my favorite characters. Parrish and Jen. <laughs> I, our, uh, our, our resident red shirts. Oh our my, poor boys. Our <laughs> poor boys. I love them so much. They're buddy-buddy with the prince, but they still really care about his safety. They're not above drinking a little bit, playing a little cards, but they, you know, they keep their wits about them. They're trying their hardest and they're just getting outwitted at every turn. They're also best buddies, which is very cute of them, I must say. (laughs) Um, And sometimes they like go out with Kel and Rye on like little, like technically they're outings for the Prince boys, but like I think Parrish and Jen, like they sometimes just get included in the lads and I love that for them. They and they're but, obsessed with with Kel too. Oh my god! Okay, well, Parrish especially is like I cannot help myself. Like I'm in love with Kel a little bit. Like it's so cute. And then they both die horrible and tragic deaths. I think there's literally a a line where I wrote like, "No, this is unfair." I loved Parrish. Like I. I feel like they were literally written in so main characters didn't have to die. I know. You know? I know. To add, like, because, you know, V.E. said, like, I don't like Grim Dark, so it's like, I feel like she added in, like, 
characters that could die so that your main character so it was like added stakes but didn't i know but you didn't kill them but it doesn't work because to me parish and jen were main characters i loved them (laughs) i was very upset they did they did feel like they needed more when they die you're like what yeah it was it was deeply sad actually um i didn't like that um but yeah so they're the boys they fall victim to the big scourge that's happening that is the main plot of the book um sarah Hit us with the plot overview. Yes, absolutely. So we haven't spoiled like the whole plot yet, but we're about to spoil the whole plot. So get out if you need to. Now's the yeah. time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the time was probably two minutes ago, <laughs> but definitely, definitely now. Okay. So, a pr- I skipped a lot because we covered a lot of the black sto- back story in the yep. character overviews because the first hundred pages of this book is basically a backstory of Kel and Lila and like the world and world it's building. It's a slow ass start um, everyone. It is it is a slow start. As a reminder, Kel is our black-eyed magician and Lila is our thieving wannabe pirate who also dresses as a man. There are four Londons, gray, red, white and black. Red is Kel's magical London, gray is Lila's, and our London from 1819. White is Holland, Astrid, and Athos's London, and black is basically Black Hole London. In each London, there's a fixed point tavern. In gray, it's the Stone's Throw. Kel travels between the Londons as an Antari, as can Holland. Our real plot takes off when, on a visit to the creepiest twins since The Shining, (laughs) Kel gets a parcel pushed on him by somebody in White London. He returns to Red London, ready to deliver the smuggled package when he realizes it's a magic stone. He gets ambushed and a murder is attempted, but Kel can use the stone and defeats his attackers, parentheses, maybe, question mark. He travels back to Grey London to the stone's throw. This is where Lila and Kel intersect. When Kel travels back, he travels back, he is injured and therefore to Lila, a mark. So Lila pickpockets the stone and heads back to the stone's throw, LOL, um, where, <laughs> Kel, where Kel catches up with her via magic. Lila and Kel have it out. Kel takes the stone and heads off. And during their interaction, Lila forges a sword from the stone and throws it out of the window of the bar where a drunk man finds it and the magic of the stone causes him to stab himself and then takes him over uh meanwhile lila goes to a bar where holland finds her and uses her as bait to get kel kel comes and is almost murdered by holland but kel with the assistance of lila um wins this particular battle that's when they put two and two together uh and realize that the stone is from black london lila and kel decide to return it to black london and set off to red london because to travel back between Londons, you have to go in order so it goes gray, red, white, black. Meanwhile, the black magic spreads between non-magical humans, controlling them and turning their eyes black. Kel and Lila go looking for a white London trinket from Fletcher, but Kel gets taken home by the royal guard while Lila hides. Rise guards Jen and Parrish have the day off because it's Rise birthday party. They are drinking when the magic black magic field people attack them when Jen um with Jen getting getting got and then turning on Parrish, unfortunately. Ugh. May they rest Ugh. in peace. <laughs> R.I.P. Lila gets an excellent fit from the merchant Kala and steals an invitation to Rai's birthday ball, gets in, and finds Kel. Kel has been knocked out by a royal guard, but he wakes up to Rai. He realizes that it's actually 
Astrid Dane possessing Rai and not really Rai. So Astrid goes supervillain mode, revealing her entire plan to overthrow <laughs> all of the Londons with Athos. Um, they summon the stone in the first place from Black London, and they have the other half of the stone. And they were sending it with Kel to basically possess all of the Londons. Mm-hmm. Astrid is going to kill Kel because Kel will not kill her, since that would be killing Rai, since she's in Rai's body. And this is when Lila shows up. Lila helps Kel. They escape, but not until... After Astrid has stabbed Rai's body and then hopped into a new body to possess. So they travel to the magic temple where Kel learned magic. <laughs> and in order to save Rai, Kel has to bind his life to Rai's, meaning Rai will live as long as Kel does. Hot. There are some other interesting implications wherein we learn that um, just I'm going to put this out here and we will come back to it. Um, Rai threatens Kel after finding out about this soul binding and says, and Kel says, I wouldn't. Your pain is mine and mine is yours. We'll loop back. Continue. Yep. Tudor Tyrion, Kel's mentor, watches over Rai, but not before revealing that Lila has one fake eye that no one else has noticed. What could that mean? Mm. She can't remember what happened to her eye and Tyrion also indicates that Lila has magic in her. Kel and Lila run off to White London, but while they're traveling, Holland intercepts Kel and they fight. Kel, parenthesis, I mean, quotation mark, mostly kills him. And we know from the Princess Bride that mostly dead is not the same thing as fully dead. Beautiful. Um, Kel takes Holland with him to White London, where Lila is under attack from the Londoners. And Kel and Lila escape attackers and move forward with their plan. But Kel is, is being overtaken by the power of the stone. Kel confronts Athos. They battle. Kel eventually wins, but not without the stone's power, which is poisoning him with every second that goes by. Meanwhile, Lila goes after Astrid, who is busy with Red London, uh, Red London possessions, but she wakes up when she feels Lila. They battle, and Astrid takes on Lila's appearance to try and trick Kel. However, Kel, re- Kel realizes it's Astrid, because Astrid, as Lila, says, please, which we know our favorite wannabe pirate would literally never say. So Kel kills Astrid as Lila. Real Lila comes to Kel's side just as he succumbs to the dark magic of the stone, but Lila gets him to come back to himself and banish the stone's power. They send the stone back to London, to back to Black London via the mostly dead Holland. They come back to Red London, where all of the position, possessions via dark stone have ended, either with the host dying or barely making it out. Jen and Parrish, rest in peace. <laughs> they tell their story to the king and queen of Red London. Prince Rai is alive. Lila is pardoned for any of her crimes, as is Kel, because people thought that they were doing crimes, and Kel was doing crimes, and then <laughs> Lila finally gets to head out on a pirate ship. Beautiful. The end. Well done. That was a lot. Like, there are just so many different little threads that are going on, and also, like, you get pov of the dark magic like as it's possessing people like it this is a layered book like there's a lot going on um so sarah yes did you like this book and what did you like about it or not like about it i like i like this book i've listened to the audiobook and i read the book um i think i enjoyed the audiobook more I recommended this book to a friend recently and he read it and he was like, I don't know, I just didn't really like it that much. And I was like, maybe it was the audiobook. And this book is also really popular on Book Talk. Um, and I see people in the comments being like, ugh, I hated it or ugh, I loved it. So I think it is a bit of a divisive um, book. 
but I appreciate the world and concept of the Londons. I like that the world building is based off of like a current universe because it's easy to kind of dive into it. Um, I like Kel and Lila together. I think that that chemistry is kind of where the book takes off. I do think the first third of the book is pretty dry. Um, and for a world that like exists kind of in our own universe, there's a lot of world building added on top of that. <laughs> um, and then I personally like Lila's characterization. Like you really enjoy Lila, but again, that might be the audiobook. <laughs> and then, um, Kel and Lila, what I really like is that Kel and Lila seem like two sides of the same coin. So, like, I like that part about it is they kind of have the same energy as each other, but in opposite ways. So, in the book on page 266, Lila says to Kel about people who commit crimes or steal things or whatever. If they're not in it for the money, they're in it for control. The act of taking, of breaking the rules, makes them feel powerful, which we know both Lila and Kel do, because Kel feels like he doesn't have anything for himself, and Lila does it because she also doesn't have anything for herself, but in two di very different ways. So, I like it. What do you think? So, I didn't have that much fun with it. Yeah. I, it wasn't that I was like, this is a slog. I think also my state of mind this week was like very hectic and I read it in three days in a panic and was like, oh. so I, maybe if I had sat with it a little longer and given it a, a better chance, um, it, I might have felt differently. I do think the beginning is just like incredibly dry. Um, and I, this book is not really a romance at all. Like there's like a half-hearted kiss at the end. Um, and it's not that every book needs to have a romance. I am a fan of many books without them, but this felt like V.E. Schwab could not make up her mind about whether or not Kel and Lila should be in love or not. And we all suffered for it. I think that it takes on some interesting concepts um but never sees them through in a satisfying way um i think we're talking a lot about slavery ownership and colonialism in this book without ever actually talking about it to my satisfaction um so i think a lot of that comes from b.e schwab's disinterest in grim dark mm -hmm. i think unfortunately i like really disagree with the concept of grim dark being a bad thing or mm -hmm. that it even exists like i definitely said this last time we recorded but george r, r. martin gets put into that mm -hmm. bucket a lot of the times and i'm like well it's just because he's nuanced he's in a nuanced way looking at themes right <laughs> you know right and actually following through and I think that's what people have a problem with YA books, even though this one's technically not YA books, but people have a problem with YA books because they don't have like a thematic heart to them that mm -hmm. make you like cons consider concepts. And this one, I think you're right. It's like, what's the great, it's like a story without a story underneath it. Right. And it's like, not everything has to be didactic, but like this the identity of this book felt very confused to me where it was like, it's not quite a love story. It doesn't quite have an underlying like theme that feels very strongly explored. It's, it's like definitely closest 
to an adventure. But even with an adventure, like I feel a core element of the adventure genre is that there's payoff at the end. It is not just that there is resolution to the problem. It's that like your questions as an adventurer yourself being the reader get answered in a satisfying way. And because we never saw Black London, I was like, wow, you really let me down on the adventure front too. Yeah. Um, Like even Lila, like this is like, Lila just stops at the next London over. Like, it's like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, there's not, like, I feel like for Lila, whose, like, whole thing is, like, I want to see the ends of the world. It's like, the ends of the world is Black London. Like, that's it. So, like, it just felt kind of unsatisfying in that way. Um, But there were definitely things I liked about it. Definitely the characters, like, some of them more than others. But, like, I did have, like, strong affection for some of them. Definitely Parrish and Jen loved them like but they were very small um i was interested by holland i was like engaged by him i thought that he was a really interesting character and um kel's just hot and what are you gonna do i loved him (laughs) i do feel like the whole first book is a first act Mm. like that's the problem and it's annoying right i felt yes plotted out it was like oh you'll have to wait for the next one it's like no no give me something to resolve this singular thing i i listened to the audiobooks one two three in a row like very quickly i think i literally finished one and just turned on the next one so i think i when i did that i kind of lost that feeling because i was like oh i want to know more about the universe but if you don't feel that way, you might feel frustrated by it like you're saying you know or if you don't just immediately pick up the next one it could be frustrating. Yeah, because it is kind of almost like a like a superficial story. Like mm-hmm. don't know how to describe it. It's like you're not you're not getting at everything, you know? So many unanswered questions, but not in like a fun suspense way. Right. In a why didn't you just take us there way. Right. There's definitely a, I I kind of am vague on the details. Um there's definitely more Holland in the next one. Holy shit. What? That's oh, yeah. so I guess exciting. I, no, I that's no, that no, for you, I, I know. It's, I'm not going to read the next two. That's okay. It's, I, oh, oh well, you're, I know. Mm-mm. Well, you answered my question. Yeah, <laughs> I know. It's like, and that says something too, because like with the Hunger Games, I was like, give me. I walked into my home library and it turns out we had lost our copy of Mockingjay. Um, and I had never replaced it or the previous collections person had never replaced it and had just been lost for a number of years. And I was like, fuck, I like got it delivered from another library was like ravenous. And this one, I just don't get, you know, yeah. so yeah, yeah, I'm not going to follow up. I don't, I don't know if we get uh black london ever i'm sure we do no but I don't we remember. must that like if her editor let her get away with not ever giving us black london that editor needs to be fired <laughs> i think we get black london there is some fun lila on a pirate ship situation so care. we get lila on a pirate I, I don't care <laughs> i don't i don't from what i understand we do get a hot pirate that isn't lila out of it which i will accept yes yeah yes we do we do get him Oh, and I think that he falls in love with Rye, I think. Maybe. More to come on this in a later section. I will investigate because I don't remember. I do. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you found out. Yes. So, yeah. Okay. Well, 
Yeah. Okay, we've covered my favorite characters sort of in depth. We all know how I feel about our gentleman guards. Yeah. Um, who was yeah. your favorite character? Listen, I love Lila. Oh. I know you don't really like her that much, but I liked her. I think it's the audiobook. Like, I can hear her in my head. Um, I liked Lila. However, I will say that she gives me unfinished Katniss energy. <gasps> valid. So, valid, valid. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So she doesn't like to have favors. She doesn't like owing anybody anything, seeing Baron. Uh, she she says she had this thought where it was, Lila would rather steal a thing outright than be indebted to kindness. Mm. But she needed the clothes. Things like that. Or love doesn't buy us anything, so be glad for what you have and who you have because you... Because you may want for things, but you need nothing. Here's, so I have like a minor interjection, and then I want you to tell me like why you like her, because I, I'm yeah. ready to be swayed. You're very persuasive. Um, <laughs> but I just feel like I want to put a shout out here. In case any of you are like aspiring writers, or you know someone who writes fiction, like it's okay to have strong women characters, or just like women, or femmes, question mark we'll see about like ugh, i hate this term but i'll i'll use it it's okay to have afab characters who like fluffy shit like it's just fine and like this whole I, I think it's the katniss epidemic because we also got this with like divergent and like blah blah, blah. like it's just okay like it they're still interesting if they like manicures like it's fine yeah. like i just don't yeah. yeah anyway go ahead yeah i know i agree and you know what so um i will say so i for the katniss lila is that lila though <laughs> likes to kill people uh, yeah katniss <laughs> hates it katniss is like i don't want to do that right and lila's <laughs> like all. is this what power feels like she's like and then kel's like no that's just murdering people <laughs> Okay, I like Lila because I understand her her um like desire for more kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. It could just be I don't know if I'm gonna be super convincing mm -hmm. on this one because I think I just kind of enjoy her. Mm -hmm. Like that's kind of it. I enjoy like like a piratey kind of swashbuckling situation, mm -hmm. you know? Like, I like that she's thieving around, you know? I just watched uh, The Gangs of New York, <laughs> which I don't know if you've ever seen that movie, but Cameron Diaz's character in that movie, she's, like, going to rich places and being a, pretending to be a maid and, like, stealing things from them. And it's kind of got that, that energy where it's, like, I like that a lot. Um, but I do agree with what you said about, like, it's okay for a strong woman character to be not refuting like femininity, mm -hmm. like strong women. It is annoying. So I do definitely get that. I, for some reason it doesn't bother me that much with Lila, just because I don't think she's a woman. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. Like, right, right. you yeah. know, the shoe drops. I also, I also can be a victim of that, that characterization mm. where I'm like, you get it girl too. At the same, on the same side, I'm like, you do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like the meme that's like I submit I support women's wrongs like that is also part of it like I don't know I just am attracted to it I can't lie it's like probably my literary like um 
like Achilles uh, heel. Like, it's your yeah. Yeah. Or uh, what is it called? Uh, my literary guilty pleasure. Mm. I feel like it's my literary guilty pleasure. I'm like, it's a little fluffy, but I like okay. it. You know? you know what? I'm going to alleviate you of some... My mom was just here, so I'm going to do some fake Reiki on you. My mom is really into Reiki. I just... Take away the guilt. Just... It's just a pleasure. <laughs> you know? I, you can't see me, but I'm plucking the guilt out of Sarah's aura right now. Just, like, let it be a oh. pleasure. You know? <laughs> Fuck a guilty pleasure. Yeah. I know. It's true. So, I don't know. Um, but I also really like Baron. Yeah. Oh, Valid. I enjoy yeah, Baron. Yeah. You know, he he's our he's our PETA. Yeah. He's yes. our PETA. Like Kel's Kel's not PETA. <laughs> yes. I strongly agree. Yeah. I like Kel a lot too. I like our main characters. I mean, I think maybe again it comes down to the audiobook narration mm-hmm. for Lila because I was more annoyed with her in the books and yeah. I when I or when I was reading the actual book. Um, okay, so your favorite characters were Jen and Parrish and Kel. Do you have anything more to add to your enjoyment no, of them? No, that's it. I, you, know, you already know how I feel. Like, I just, yeah, I found that Parrish and Jen were, like, genuinely delightful. And when I got a snippet of them, I was like, oh, my God, yay. Um, and Kel, I just think, is, like, hot. And I liked that about him. <laughs> like, that's, like, and also, you know, whatever, I, you know what? No. I was going to try and be like, oh, Kella, like, interesting character. No. I like him because he's sexy, and we can just leave it there. I think that's fine. I don't need to justify more. Um Okay, well then, let's keep the Lila train Good. going. So, I read this book, and I was getting tattooed at, uh, at one point, and I was talking to my tattoo artist about it, who, um, she is, reads all of the same books that's as me. That's very cute. So we were discussing this book, and she was like, I feel like Lila's non-binary. And I was like, you know what, Stina? I think that you're right. <laughs> so I am posing to you, Ted, if you think so. I mean, I'll put my my thoughts out there. Is that, I first, if she is, here's my, my maybe she's not, and it was just the strong woman trope mm-hmm. going too, too far, a shade too mm-hmm. masculine, um, is that, if, since this is a magical world, why wouldn't she just be non-binary? Like, why wouldn't V Schwab just make her non-binary mm-hmm. if that was the intention to do because so? Because she's an elder it... millennial. You know, yeah. like, it wouldn't yeah. occur to her that that's something that she's allowed to do. Yeah. Um, and then, I would say, at the very least, her gender expression is extremely masculine. Mm-hmm. Even if she is a cis woman, you know, like, it's she, her gender expression is does not match that mm-hmm. in gendered terms. Um, here are my quotes of Lila as non-binary. Okay. This one's weird. This is a weird mm. quote. So had Lila been a man and the ship's fair maidens guiding up their skirts, she could have not wanted them more. Disgusting, but also gay. Continue. <laughs> yep. <laughs> the mask reminded Lila Less of dresses and finery, and more of sharpened knives and ships on the seas at night. I don't know. It just feels gay to me. 
I do feel like, you know, those memes that are like, this is my gender, and it's just like a picture of frog and toad. Like, I feel like that's what that is. Chips and knives. Exactly. I, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> it, it, like, quote unquote, should be dresses and finery, but it's chips and knives. So, right. I feel um, like if Lila got to pick her own, like, name, and Lila was her dead name, she'd pick, like, steel or, like, yeah. blade. <laughs> <laughs> So then she all there's also the line that's like her internal monologue that's like Delilah Bard looked like a king, which I was like, oh, we got a little femme mask combo right that there. That is truly hot. That was yeah. a hot line. I also have that in my notes for this. And, and then when she shows up to Rye's party, she goes and s- says how to introduce herself, and she says Captain Bard of the Sea King. I'm like, oh, that's a genderless honorific right Mm -hmm. there isn't it Mm -hmm. so those are my light snippets of why i think lila is absolutely gender fucked teddy (laughs) i love that you just said gender fucked um i agree i just strongly agree i think what we might be dealing with here is a case of head canon is real canon i i'm not convinced that ve schwab did this on purpose no. Um, but I do think that it's true. Um, some quotes that I have for you are, she was in hiding a wanted man. Period. <laughs> End of sentence. Yeah. Like, yeah, like, Delilah Bard's gender is wanted man. And I think that that <laughs> is good. And sharpened knives and pirate ships. Right. And so here, this quote is like, kind of a double whammy where one end really serves our point and the other end is like mm, Katniss is okay so it says not that Lila wanted to be pretty pretty wouldn't serve her well and that's I think it's a it's good because it gives you an eye on what Delilah values and what Delilah values are things that serve her um but also like it like pretty doesn't serve her well, like really reminds me of me feeling like pretty just doesn't suit me. Like being a girl doesn't suit me. Mm. And so I really was like, oh damn. But then um, it goes on to say, and Lord knew she didn't envy the ladies with their cinched corsets and abundant skirts, their falsetto laughs and the ridiculous way that they use them. And that's where it gets a little like, okay, do you hate women? Or is Delilah trans? Pick one, please. She shouldn't be both. Like, she could be, I guess, but I don't like that. Um, the, the internalized misogyny of not wanting to be a woman when everyone tells you you're a woman. Uh, I know. Right. It's the, right. It's totally the, it is a thing that happens where when we reject our femininity, sometimes we go a little too far and reject other people's femininity. Don't see, do pick, that. See, pick me girls. Yeah. As it were. Right. And like, I, I wonder how many pick me girls are secretly just boys. Like, I don't, how many are there out there? Um, but yeah. I do strongly agree. I do think that, like, even if it is accidental, I think it's, like, deeply fair to read Lila as non-binary, for sure. Yeah. I think she, it's the parts where she always looks in the mirror and she's like, my angular face. Like, mm, you know, right. like. Uh, I got a little bit of manic pixie dream girl from that, 
too, because oh. she's got her little like bob going on that like dusts her jaw, and it's like, all right, relax. You know oh, what I mean? Think it's Scott Pilgrim. <laughs> I immediately envisioned exactly that. So yeah, but I yeah. do hear you that like her self image, she takes pride in the things about herself that are not ladylike, which is good for her, but also. It, careful it, it could be like the thing is is other characters by victoria schwab like haven't had like mm. this strong woman trope you mm-hmm. know what i mean so like i think her name the main character in the ya series that i was saying i think her name's like cassandra blake or something mm-hmm. she's it's like not that you know like she you know, she might she might be like a cool girl wearing her Converse or whatever, but it's not like an right. I'm against femininity, you know, kind of situation or so I don't know. And like one of the other main characters in that series, she's like you know a a friend and she's like hyper feminine too, but she's mm-hmm. like the cool girl who knows everything mm-hmm. about everything. Right. So it's possible, and V. E. Schwab has done it to yes. like do exactly. cool lady characters yeah. who like love being ladies i don't know if it was just like the pirate trope and then it's forces forced her to go like oh she's so anti-feminine that it becomes like a whole new thing right <laughs> like, yeah, yeah yeah. you're no longer a woman because you're so like <laughs> like delilah reeks no longer as any type of a woman because mm-hmm. she's so against it like i feel like even in the tropes it's like at one point they were like put on a little nail polish and they're like maybe i liked it or like right did a a makeover and it felt like a little good and she doesn't have that moment right that's so true even like katniss gets all made up and she's like well i do look good it's just not sensible you know right and there's a huge difference between being like i fucking hate this on its face versus like this is not sensible yeah Yeah. exactly yeah um okay okay great um, Please pitch me you, the next question because I'm so ready. Hit me. Go. <laughs> Do you feel like Kel and Lila are romantic? No, but I think <laughs> Kel and Rye are. Let's hit it. Let's hit it. Okay. I have quotes. Um, this is my table. Everyone gets so excited for Ted's tables. Oh, segment. Um, <laughs> okay. Ted's tables. Ted's tables. Okay. So um, some quotes. He didn't want to die. Rye would never forgive him if he died. Gay. Rye's smile spread, wolfish and sharp. You know, this is Astrid Dane being Rye. You know, Rye's mouth formed the words and Rye held up his hand, considering the long fingers, the knuckles adorned with glittering rings. Those same hands began twisting the rings so that their jeweled settings were on the inside, getting ready to punch him in the face. A little piece of me was hoping you'd say that, which was like something to instigate the fight. That was, like, evil homoeroticism. That was, like, turning it all on its head. Like, that was, like, oh, no, your lover is being inhabited by someone else and they're going to hit you in the face. But also, like, long fingers. We didn't need to know that. Um, (laughs) Also, I guess some background on me is that um, my sexual education... uh, Oh, man. The internet is just going to know this, but I have to say it. Was reading fan fiction at too young. And so um, I have an eye out for this shit. I see it not everywhere. I want you to know that I'm not like the guy that makes this shit up. But when it's there, I see it. And I'm telling you it's there. Kel, when Rai is dying, says, stay with me. Stay with me. Rai, listen to my voice. And Rai says, such a nice voice. And then passes out. Homo. (laughs) 
<laughs> they do the soul bond. Kel's... I, okay, yes. I, I need to admit something right here and now. Fuck, what? Teddy. No. Never once <gasps> in my entire life have I ever read fan <laughs> I think that's awful. I, I pity you. I, I really, I just, if I never, you guys, everyone listening, like, I just feel like if you have ever read a book and been like, this one particular part did not satisfy me. There are hordes of people writing fan fiction because they were dissatisfied with that exact same thing. And they're fixing it for you. They're fixing it. They're going to make the boo-boo all better. Um, they love to do it. Like, I cannot even tell you, like, if in case you don't know, and we will continue to talk about this later, like, there is an entire world of fan fiction in, like, all the languages you can imagine. I've looked. There is Yiddish Harry Potter fan fiction. <laughs> and I have read it. It was not very good, but it was there. And so, like, if you want it, you will find it. It's there. So... That being said, if you ever have like a moment where you're like, oh, I really wish this happened, get in there. Um, okay. Um, the soul binding happens. Kel, Kel thinks my life is his life. His life is mine. Bind it to me and bring him back. That's the line that he uses to the stone. Bind him to me and bring him back. That's just gay. Then Rye is like passing out. And Kel's thought is Rye, his Rye, crumpling to the floor, his Rye, homosexual. Um, Rye says to Kel, and this is like sort of like brotherly affection. I'll, I'll give people this, that this is ambiguous. He says, I love you, Kel, but I had no interest in matching tattoos. <laughs> Trying to figure <laughs> out like what the soul binding thing is. And then Kel tells him like, oh no, like, he kind of wiggles around it for a while before Rai is like, spit it out. And he's like, it's a soul bond, a soul bond, whatever. And Rai threatens Kel and is like, I ought to like fucking strangle you. And Kel says, I wouldn't. Your pain is mine and mine is yours. Uh-oh. A predicament. You feel mm-hmm. each other's sensorial feelings? Yeah, that's, oh my. it's covered. It's covered in the other books, too. Ooh. It's directly addressed, yes. Great. Okay, so. All, <laughs> okay, but, but. Okay, yes. So okay, all of this going, to say, all of this to say, that's my column for, like, sexual romantic quotes between Rye and Kel. And the Kel-Lila column is fucking empty. There's just nothing in there. <laughs> they have one half-ass kiss at the end that's like, why'd you do that? I don't know, for luck? Like, fuck you. Well, they did that They did that twice. I don't give a so, shit. It doesn't count. Like, it just fell so flat. I don't know. I, I, um, what about this? This popped up while you were going through. Because you remember how Kel and, I mean, Lila and Rye had, like, their flirtatious exchange yes. at the end of the book? What if we get a Lila, Kel, Rye thruple? That fan fiction exists, and I've seen it. Okay, I'm not surprised. <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like that could work. You know? I, yeah, but but where Rye is interested in both of them, but Kel and Lila are more like platonic BFFs. Gonna go into it. Are you talking it? about a polyamorous triad, Sarah? Yes, yeah, I, I think that yeah. I think that could work out very well for both of them. I'm just being clear about the relationship dynamic. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I in my solid and strong opinion 
there is so much more going on between Rai and Kel than there is between Kel and Lila. Yeah. That's it. I, bl- I believe it. Yeah. I believe it. I don't have any feelings one way or the other. I feel like I read um, this book and I was like, I guess they like each other about <laughs> Kel and Lila, you know? Yes. So I wasn't like, wow, they I like love them together or anything. You know, I just was like, always like, is this why I don't understand why this is romantic but I was like but I guess if Kel and Lila are interested in each other then that's not necessarily straight either so yeah right so that's the other thing is like it would probably be ahead canonically queer if they were to bang it out but I just like don't see that happening I I think really what it is here's here's what I've got it feels like V.E. Schwab was like I want a lady pirate thief and i want a hot emo powerhouse magician and i guess they'll fall in love because they're just the people that i want to write about and it's because it's a man and a woman and they gotta right and it's like they don't gotta leave it alone (laughs) you know they don't gotta um they don't gotta what we've covered what i don't like about this book but is there anything that you did not like i Hated, oh my god, I never knew this because of the audiobook. Fucking hated the parentheses. So, (laughs) it made me so mad. Every single one, I was like, boo, parentheses, boo, parentheses. Like, just made me so mad. Why are they in parentheses? It doesn't fucking need to be in parentheses. It bothered me. It reminded me, um, Sarah J. Mass always puts like ellipses and then repeats the line before. And I hate that too. And the parentheses reminded me. Like, I was like, I got it. I figured it out without the parentheses, you know? Thanks. So, yeah. It it was a lot of telling in the parentheses. And I was like, oh, this makes me so mad. I want to validate that. I think that that's. I didn't realize until just now, but you're right. I also found that annoying. Um, I also, while you were talking, remembered one more thing. And it's literally just one line that I hated and made me gag out loud when I read it. Rai is talking about how he needs to find someone to marry. And he says, I must try and find a mate. Oh. <gasps> it's yeah. not good. Just never... never use the word mate. Just don't do it. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. You're going to have to write a letter to Sarah J. Mass because oh <sighs> the word mate is probably the most commonly used word in all of her books. Okay. It's disgusting. I'm never reading Akatar. Yeah. That no. solved it for me because yeah. I can't. Yeah. There's a lot of, and my mate this yeah, it's gross oh my god no, sorry for good. the barfing noises into the microphone i know everybody listening. i know um, you all love it um so then the other thing and maybe i'm being a little too nitpicky um but on like right at the end where lila is like kind of going and doing stuff and fighting astrid for for kel basically she goes mm-hmm. And her thought goes, honestly, what had happened to her? The Lila Bard of South London looked out for herself. That Lila would never waste her life on someone else. We know this already. Like, you (laughs) don't need to fucking say it. The character growth should be silent. Like, just shut up. Yeah, I was like, just stop. It felt very YA to me, you know? Like, it felt a little... What what did we say in the first Hunger Games episode? It felt like... uh, what did I say? Bing, 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 bing. Bing, you know? bing, bing. It was bing, bing, bing. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh my God. We need to keep using bing, bing, bing because it really does like summarize a lot. Yeah. It was truly bing, bing, bing. And I also feel that I found myself being more angry at times with Schwab's editor 
than with her because like that was such an easy strike from the record like unless she fought to keep that line in there which god help her if she did (laughs) like just strike it like Uh, it's it's okay to write it but don't publish it (laughs) (laughs) i do feel like a thing happens where the more an author writes books the more and more their publisher or does not edit them appropriately which just makes me go nuts like i feel like that's why books get like authors books get worse like hot take that's how i feel about stephen king so um like somebody needs to start editing more like the editor needs to get their hands in there more agree well you already said you're you don't think you're gonna keep reading the series that's cool no um you've also said that you've already read the series are you gonna reread it probably not i got too many other things to do (laughs) i got too many (laughs) other things to read valid we'll make time for the hunger games you sarah have now continued your hunger games journey yes yes so i think let that tell you whatever it tells you that we both are continuing to read the Hunger games um, and will not be continuing. Yes. Will not be continuing I, with uh, Darker Shade. You know, I don't think it's a bad book. I think it's a perfectly fine book to enjoy. I, totally. I do feel a little bad for my friend who I was like, you should read it. And then he was like, I don't really like this that much. And I was like, oh, I guess I read, listened to the audiobook, And that, I feel like that helps a lot of things is the audiobook. Yeah. If you have a good audiobook narrator. It's all Like over. delivering Lila's thoughts in like a in an excellent British accent. You're like, okay, great. It's working for me. I don't know. <laughs> I've heard through the grapevine that you have some fanfic information to share with us. <laughs> I have so much fanfiction information to share with us. Okay. So just, we've talked about fanfiction briefly in this episode already. And I just want to give a brief overview of how it works. One of the main fan fiction sites, which is where I did all my research for today, is Archive of Our Own. My fiance, Wynn, is really into Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And I was like, have you ever wondered what it would be like, and this is me playing to both of our particular takes, if Buffy were gay and Wynn was like, oh, holy shit. So if that sort of thing has ever happened to you where you're like, oh, shit, give fan fiction a shot. Um, It's very good. Um... So, and it can also be healing for you. Like if, whatever. I I personally believe that if you are a trans person living in the world now who loved Harry Potter as a child, it can be very healing to read Harry Potter fan fiction that just has nothing to do with JK Rowling and is all about like queer, um, gender fucked love. Um, so get in there. Um, the vast majority of fan fiction though is like love stories. So if that doesn't interest you, then like maybe don't get in there. <laughs> um, but I was very convinced. So basically I had my goggles on, my fan fiction goggles while reading this book because I was so convinced. I was like, surely I am not the only one who is like picking up on this weird semi-incestuous hot vibe between Rye and Kel. And I just like every fandom sort of like has their top pairing that people are obsessed with and want to write about um for harry potter it's definitely like draco malfoy in harry potter that's like (laughs) their big like that's the biggie um and i was convinced that for darker shade it would be ryan kell and so i got into it um there are only 374 fan fictions for this entire series on ao3 which is a pretty small amount 
to give you an idea, Harry Potter has 411,000. Oh my God. Um, which is insane. The Twilight books have 10,000, which is like a more reasonable number. Um, and so 374 is like pretty low. And it also includes like the entire series, like first through third book. Um, of these, you can sort. So this is the other great thing about archive of our own is that you can filter by rating. So it's like generic audience. Like it's kind of like movies um, all the way up through explicit. And so of these 374, only 47 were rated explicit, which means that they're definitely porn. Um, that's like really chaste yeah. in my experience. Like I was expecting a lot more pornographic fic, but I support everyone. Um, I think that might have to do with this like straddling the line between adult and YA in terms of Victoria. Mm. Um, so then I did a little bit more number crunching of the 374 fix. 159 are M slash M, which means like gay men <laughs> love. Yeah. Um, 14 are F slash F, which I thought was hilarious because who's the other lady? Is like who is it? Like Astrid? Astrid? <laughs> I know. Like I, I get like if you're into Lila and Astrid, like let me know. Tell me why. <laughs> that shit's crazy. That's some freak shit. <laughs> yeah, and then ninety eight of them are straight, and then the rest like that are not like, like straight, and we'll use quotation marks because a lot of those are Lila Kelfix. Um, so you know. It's it's a pretty interesting breakdown. I think it's very not unusual, like very normal for like the slight majority to be gay boys. Um, one other thing that you can do on Archive of Our Own is that when you like something, you give it a heart and it's called a kudos. And you can sort by kudos in any given fandom. So you can say with all your little filters, you're like, I want this specific thing with this tag. Sort my results by top kudos to lowest so i just sorted every single fic from top to bottom yeah. with the most kudos the top kudos fic was a lila kel fic which i just thought was so fucking boring it's like we already discussed that we got in there decided it's, it's it did not pride work. month why are <laughs> why homophobic yeah homophobic the second interesting pairing that i found like these were within the top three results lila kel and who's the third? Right. No. Holland? Fucking Holland. <laughs> yeah. Which I, you know what? If there's one way to make Delilah Bard hot, it's to stick her in a threesome with Kellen Holland. I think <laughs> that that would really work for me. Uh, it's actually Antari for Antari. <laughs> right. Oh my God. Absolutely. Like, fuck trans for trans. This is, we're talking traveler for traveler. That's quite good. Um, <laughs> And then the third fic was actually a Kel and Holland fic. So enemies that, to lovers. I mean, yeah, it's enemies to lovers. I mean, it's, brothers to lovers, enemies to lovers. Okay, they're not really brothers and I need people to understand this. Kel is like not even really adopted. Um he's okay. property. He's property, right, which also makes it gross in a different way. So yeah. everyone relax. Okay. And then I was simply shocked by the lack of Kel Ryfix um, because they felt so obvious to me. Yeah. But I found this fic, which I 
late night texted a screenshot of to Sarah. <laughs> um, and I am really excited to hear her take on this because she has read the rest of the books and has promised me that this problem is addressed later. But the fic is called The Needle That Sings in Your Heart by the author Anira. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. It's E-N-N-E-A-R-A. And the tags on the fic include mutual pining, which means that they're both pining for one another, possessive kel, hot, sexual tension, a given, soul bond, also kind of a given, and then this, you can also just like, you don't have to like pick from a list of tags. You can like create your own tag and then the database will sort it for you. So this original tag says incest, wanking. It's a fine line with these two. Perfect. <laughs> and lastly, first time, which I also think is funny. So um, that means the first time they're doing it. Maybe in general. I think first time almost exclusively refers to like losing your virginity, um, which is also very funny. And then the summary is, when he had used forbidden magic to drag his bro- brother back from death, binding Rai's body to his in the process, sex had been the last thing on Kel's mind. These days, more often than not, it was the first, in which Kel and Rai tried to solve a problem that they must have encountered in canon and find a solution they almost certainly would not hilarious description and this is what i mean when like i'm saying like if you have a question that is not answered in a book someone has thought of the answer and will write a fic about it that it's in the works um it's set between the first two books so it's good for our listeners who also may have read the first one and been like (laughs) there will be no scary new characters for you i think you're going to be okay i cannot endorse it because i have not read it and i'm not going to because I firmly believe that fan fiction energy should be spent on things you care about. And I just don't care about this that much. Um, thoughts on that specific fic, Sarah? Um, if I remember correctly in the books, which if I don't, I'm sorry. I listened to the audiobooks in 2021, I'm pretty sure. Um, I think that Kel, uh, Rai is like about to hook up with somebody and Kel like has to interrupt him and they, they like indicate the feeling the sensation or it might be vice versa so you know yeah that's wild i think i I don't know i hope i'm not misleading now but i'm pretty sure that's what was in there (laughs) if if it is in there that might be the kinkiest thing that victoria schwab has ever i i feel like it's like you wrote yourself into like a a corner yeah so you have to deal with it i think it was kind of like you just kind of had to ignore it or like Mm -hmm. ignore what was going on because they yeah when one of them is hurt the other one feels it so yeah so okay when we limit to just the boys like just mm fix yeah we get kel holland a lot and then only late in the game do we get kel rye but there's like this middle section where we're getting a lot of rye alucard yeah and alucard alucard emery yeah yes is from what i understand and it's loose because i have not read the books in which he is present he comes in in book two and stays through book three he's rye's guard who had to move away and become a pirate and then he comes back in the second book so he's like gone in the first book because he's busy being a pirate 
but then he's back for the second book and they are canonically in love. Alucard is good at magic and there is a short story published in 2021 by Schwab in uh in a what is it called when it's a, a novella? No, it's like when everyone like adds their own thing. It's like a compendium, but not. Okay. it's what is it? Uh, uh it starts with an A, like a like a collection of short stories by a bunch of different authors. Okay, okay, okay. Jesus uh, Christ, we'll find I it. I don't, I don't know the word. <laughs> Whatever. You're describing it fine. <laughs> yeah. So there's, she published a short story in one of those called "Fantastic Worlds and Possible Places." The short story is titled "A Royal Affair," and it's about Ryan Alucard's courtship <laughs> and like how they fell in love. Oh, yeah. That's cute. Well. Um, Alucard is a hot character. I know that much. When he comes in, it's nice. And it, he's the pirate ship is, um, that's the one that Lila ends up on. Right. So they she's become friends. they're they're friends. Yeah. 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 Um, I will end my fan fiction segment with um. So if you were around the fan fiction scene when um, like two thousand eight ish, like early days early-ish days because fan fiction has existed since like fucking Star Trek um you might remember that things were called slash (laughs) when it was like romantic or sexual so slash is a relationship indicator so like Kel slash Rye is like a relationship between Kel and Rye but my favorite relationship tag that I discovered in my journey on Archive (laughs) of Our Own for this was Kel slash happiness. Oh. <laughs> Our little emo boy. I know. Emo king. Oh. Yeah. Oh. So, yeah, that's my fanfic update, which we did in lieu of Goodreads reviews because it was just too juicy not to. It's true. I do feel like um, a darker shade of magic would make like a good, like, Miyazaki movie. Like, Oh, like Howl's Moving Castle style. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 For yeah. sure. Oh my God. Absolutely. Yeah. I feel like it would be a better way to bring the world to life. To life, you know? So true. I yeah. love that. Okay. Sarah. Yes. What are you reading right now? So actually, on topic, I'm reading um, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. Get on. And I am still reading... Um, a tree grows in Brooklyn. Just because it's the audiobook, so it's a long book. I'm still yeah. going, st- still plotting away. I don't drive to work anymore, so I don't have like peak audiobook hours these days. All um, I have is peak audiobook hours. <laughs> yeah. The the I finished Walking Jay on like two days ago, so yeah, we're in it. We're in it. We're in it. <laughs> I, this is where I was like two weeks ago, and Sarah had to read a couple books for like various other responsibilities, and I was like, "Sucks to be you. I am blowing my way through the Hunger Games right now." <laughs> <laughs> well, you have to read the Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. I know it's true. I know. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I do. Um, what are, What are you reading? I am currently reading, and I have to look at my phone because I actually don't remember the title. I'm listening to the audiobook for the guest lecture by Martin Riker. Um, it's not very good. Oh, no. I, yeah, I'm going to finish it because it's short and then um, move on. I think it's fine. I, you know, it's a solid do not recommend. I, um, yeah. <laughs> I forgot that I'm also reading. Um, I'm looking at it. My names of my books, too. Hang on. 
I'm also reading The Seven Moons of Molly Almeida. Have you heard of that one? No. Um, that one is won the Booker Prize in 2022. Nice. And so it's it's like a focus on a Sri Lankan man who gets murdered and uh, he's like a ghost <laughs> and it's like mm. kind of in the in-between zone. He's also gay. Um, so the main character. Yeah. Um, so far, so good on that Great. one. I'm just, it's like very different tonally than all the other books that I'm reading right now. So I've had a Sometimes little trouble like good. sinking into it, but yeah. yeah. Um, Okay. Any, are you reading anything else besides the one that you do not re- recommend? <laughs> no. Uh, although my hold just came in for Camp Zero. So oh, looking forward to I'm that. Jealous. I'm jealous. I'm waiting for mine. I know. Okay. Sarah, I, I'm loath to bring it up because this is when I'm going to start fucking losing this game. But where did you get your book? From the library. Ew. Uh, <laughs> I'm okay. sorry. It's Okay. It's I'm good. Sorry. It's good. Sorry to rephrase. That's lovely. I'm so excited that you supported <laughs> your library. I um will say my favorite thing to do, and this is a hot librarian tip, is that get your books on Libby, download them to your Kindle, and then put your Kindle on airplane mode. <laughs> this also and- helps your local librarian not spend so much money on their eBooks. So do it. Yeah. Yeah. Yep do it and then you can just return that book right away on your Libby app but you always have it on the Kindle just do not connect to Wi-Fi gorgeous hot girls steal from overdrive <laughs> <laughs> listen I never I have no moral quandary about this <laughs> situation and I love that that's it yeah it helps the library <laughs> that's all great um yes yeah, so I got it on my Kindle <laughs> Teddy <laughs> Okay, I bought my book. I bought it, and I bought it from Kobo. At least I did not buy it from Amazon. Here's what happened. I put it on hold at my library, maybe like a little too late. And then these last two weeks have been like deeply stressful in terms of like my car battery died, and then Wynn got surgery and then had to go back to the hospital because we were afraid he was having a stroke. He is fine. Um, But I was in the ER until like 2 in the morning. Um, And then I took the next day off of work, even though my book was waiting for me, um, and did not get it. But, so I, basically, we were in the final stretch. I needed to fucking read this book, so I bought it on my e-reader. So, let's say that. But I have an argument for giving me a half point less deduction, which is (laughs) that I, that I did go into work on Friday and even though I was already in in the middle of reading the ebook did check out my hold on the physical book to myself yeah so I still gave circulation points to a library somewhere listen I'm not (laughs) you can have that half point back that's fine (laughs) (laughs) okay great I I I, it's fine listen I'm just gonna say Teddy texted me on on Tuesday I was literally at a Paramore concert and he's like listen so I'm at the hospital right now wins fine um but I'm just texting you this all this just to say I might have to buy my book. <laughs> I was like, I thought you were texting to cancel. Like, it's fine. <laughs> buy your book. Yeah. It's all good. So I think that's a 1.5 deduction for me, which yeah. brings me down to 
0.5 and bring Sarah up to three. Ugh. Beautiful. 50% well, lead. 100% lead. <laughs> Incredible. Yeah. Okay. It had to be done. It had to be done. We needed Ted. to differentiate at some point. I'm sure. I'll have moments. I'll have moments. Yes. Um, okay. So moving into our next little segment. Yes. Okay, Sarah. If you were going to recommend... if you, Yeah. If somebody was like, I really like this book, what book would you give them next? So... I have a couple options, um, both by the same author. So if you liked the fantasy aspect and the merging of the storylines and also the fact that there's a real world tie in to like the universe we actually exist in, I recommend The City of Brass by S.A. Chakraborty. It is so good, so much better, so like leagues ahead of A Darker Shade of Magic. Um, because I present you with the two main characters, Nari and Dara. Dara is a djinn, and Nari is a an Egyptian girl living in Cairo, and their storylines merge. Um, this is one of my absolute favorite fantasy series that I have ever read. Um, uh, so I love that one. And then, if you... If you, what you like really liked is kind of those multiple storylines. That's the one I recommend. But if you liked Lila and you liked the idea, idea of a pirate but feel like Darker Shade of Magic just didn't include enough pirate pirating, <laughs> pillaging, if you will. Um, I haven't read this one yet, but based on my previous my previous recommendation, I would recommend another one by S.A. Chakraborty, which is actually under Shannon Chakraborty, not S.A., which, again, tie into V.E. Mm-hmm. and Victoria, um, is she wrote a book about a woman pirate and her adventures, or her kind of, like, later-in-life adventures, so she's, like, a post... It's, like, a, a middle-aged pirate. Um, in the book, The Adventures of Amina Al-Sarafi. Um, I haven't read it yet, but it feels like... It could be a win if Lila was your favorite character. Um, I I'm going to read that book probably within the next, like, three weeks. So <laughs> hopefully I didn't lead you astray. Right. We'll, we'll check back in on you on that. Yeah. Okay. Teddy, what do you recommend? So I have a, a lot of thoughts. If I also picked up on the multiple storylines thing and immediately thought of Priory of the Orange Tree by Samantha Shannon, if you are into, like, a little bit of a higher fantasy and you have the zitzflesh if you have like the capacity the like tenacity to stick with a longer book you would really like priory um but instead if you were like oh i wish this is a hilarious reader's advisory but if you wish ryan kell were in love but do not need them to be gay you could try the series that started as twilight fan fiction City of Bones, the Mortal Instruments series, book one. Um, there's some not quite so light forbidden love slash maybe incest there. Um, but also there are some gay characters that are good. Um, and also it's like overlapping stories set in multiple worlds with a tie into our world, but it's more contemporary. Um, it's like a wacky, like you really have to sit there and be like, okay, I guess I'm reading this as a human person. But like... We all have our moments, and, like, if that's your moment, like, I support you. It has, like, a whole universe. It's by Cassandra Clare, who writes a bunch of other wild stuff um, and is very famous. Um, So I would say maybe give that a try. If you, like me, thought that this was kind of a story about colonialism but was not quite hitting it, 
you need to read Babel by R.F. Kuang or The Poppy War, also by R.F. Kuang. But I, I, I have Babel... I have Bobble checked out from my library right it now. It is literally so good. Like, I was talking with a patron about it who, bless them, was working at the polls on election day and was like, I need something to read because no one ever shows up for the fucking primaries in my town um, and read Babel in one day. Um, I know. <laughs> in case you don't know, this is like a thick book. Um, but it is all beautiful. It's set in Oxford. Um, at an imaginary university of language magic um, and is all about like power systems. Um, it's also historical fiction. It's incredibly good. Um, I say get in there. Um, it's definitely just adult fantasy with more political shit to say than this. And so it might scratch that itch for you. But if you, Sarah is going to hate this. If you, I, I'm looking I at know, <laughs> if you are like, damn, None of that hits. I just want another three book series that rides the line between YA and adult fiction. I need it to be based in the real world, but also in a fantasy world. Um, I need some interesting love arcs, but that's not the point of it for me. I just need it to be an adventure. You should read the Scholomance series by Naomi Novik. Yet you cannot deny that it is a perfect match. You can't. <laughs> I you can't. Listen, <laughs> we're all entitled to our own opinions, right? <laughs> that that book single handedly turned me into a hater. No! I okay. So let's balance it. Sarah fucking hated it. Like, did not enjoy it at all. Did you even finish the first book or did you rage quit? Yeah, okay. I did. I, I all did. Right. So Sarah read the first book and was like, never again. Fuck that. I read the first book and immediately downloaded the second book. And after I finished that, I immediately downloaded the third book and finished that. It, it was like a record. I think I read three books in two and a half days. I was obsessed with it. I loved it. So, and everything I said s stands true. Like, I think there are very important links between Darker Shade. I think Scholomance is better than Darker Shade. Oh my god. So that's our controversial recommendation. And, and by that I mean I recommend it and Sarah absolutely does not. Um, I mean, sure. Convincing. <laughs> All right. You want to lead us out? Okay. Yes. Okay. So in two weeks, we are going to be reading... Born by Jeff Vandermeer. Um, so please join us to read that one. That one is one that Teddy has read, and I have not, even though Teddy gave me it to borrow it like three years ago, and I never read it. Um, so I <laughs> will be reading that. Um, and if you need to reach out to us on social media, you can find us at at Shelving Cart on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok, and you can shoot us an email at shelvingcart at gmail.com. So just reach on out and thank you for listening. Thanks for listening. Bye. One, two, three, four. Shelving cart. Shelving cart. Shelving cart. With Sarah and Teddy. Shelving cart. Shelving cart. Shelving cart. With Sarah and Teddy. Hey. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I saw the door. I uh, saw you the door. Wave at me. <laughs> I, it was too fast. <laughs>
this is going to be the blooper at the end of the episode. I feel it coming. Um, okay, I'm going to pour this water and then I'm going to keep talking. Thank you for listening to Shelving Cart. Shelving Cart was created, written, and recorded by Sarah and Teddy, edited by Sarah, and the theme music is by Kate Gardine. If you enjoyed listening to our podcast, please rate and review us on any of your podcast listening apps. We greatly appreciate it.